Welcome to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it so you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Time is tight. That's why our advisors have wrapped up today's most timely topics into a podcast with actionable advice. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Kim. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you today? I'm great. Terrific. We got a good topic today with uh, Reed and Kevin. Looking forward to it. Yeah, this is getting towards um, end of the year and time to really start focusing on everyone's favorite topic, tax returns. Not mine. Glad these guys are here. Yeah, me too. Today we have Reed King and uh, Kevin Patel with us. Hey guys, welcome. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're glad you're here. So we are going to be talking about important things that people need to be discussing with a tax advisor um, as they prepare for their tax return. And there may be some companies that haven't given a lot of thought around strategy behind filing their taxes. So what would your first step be towards making a tax strategy if you haven't already done that? Well, rarely do you find somebody who wakes up in the morning that's just really excited about paying taxes. It's usually a significant pain point for people, for individuals, for businesses. As tax advisors, if we can work together with business owners uh, to minimize that big pain point, then why would we not want to do that? It's it's just a, kind of a no-brainer to, to make sure you're having great communication with the tax advisor, especially at this time of year. And it's not one of those things that if you ignore it it'll go away it's not going to go away right you're you're going to have to ultimately file the tax return as much as you try to ignore it yeah you could uh you might could get away with it for a year or two but eventually it, it will catch up with you and uh the irs is not a good creditor right um to have so you want to avoid that kevin why do if you at think all possible kevin why do you think a lot of people don't focus on that strategy as much i mean it's kind of become an afterthought for a lot of people. One, because nobody wants to deal with the IRS or the state taxing authorities. Uh, But in my opinion, it's become an integral part of the business, whether you're a CFO or you're a controller, where it's in this booming economy, it's a cash outlay and it's a substantial cash outlay in most occasions. So I think it needs to be actively looked upon if you haven't. And a lot of businesses are growing. So it may not have been an issue a couple of years ago, but now it's going to be going forward. That's a good point that in this economy, you would hope that your business is profitable and growing and maybe facing challenges that they hadn't in the past. So this might be the first year that people have really had to face these types of issues and questions, but it's better to to try to get an advanced start. So when is the best time to start creating a tax strategy? <laughs> no time better than the present, really. Um we think about it because it's year in, but really this is a conversation that we need to be having throughout the year. Um, and, and really, we're like an architect or a custom home builder uh, just without the, the good PR. Uh, every plan, every strategy is going to be different. There's not going to be two plans, two strategies that look identical. Uh, there's guiding principles, of course, that will look similar between the plans, but there's not going to be two strategies that are that are totally identical so with every person with every business there comes some customization and that's just a it's an ongoing it's an ongoing process that needs to uh, that needs to happen 
talk about tax strategies and tax planning and implementing that. Some strategies take six weeks to implement. Some take six months. Some take six years. So might as well get going on it. Kind of an all ongoing conversation. Absolutely. It should never stop. And I I would assume your, your better clients are the ones that call you before they get into something during the year, right? And they say, hey, how will this affect a the strategy we've created? But then, you know, what is this going to do to me kind of going forward? Exactly. It's the understanding is that we know the client's business and we know the why behind the decisions they're making. And that makes us better advisors. And it actually, or, you know, lets us help the business owner and the businesses themselves. So that's a good point. What What are the kind of fundamental things that uh, an advisor needs to know about the business in order to help formulate what that tax strategy is? I think uh, the biggest is how do you make money? Once I know how you make money, what your goals are going forward, because, you know, the tax strategy is as good as we know what your goals are and how we know to plan for it in the future. It's not a one-year thing like Reed had mentioned. It could take multiple years. It could take six, ten years if you're expanding internationally going to other states that has implications and just getting your advisor involved on that aspect helps you and helps lets us become a better advisor to the business and the business owners and the decision makers. Yeah, I think you want to make sure your tax advisor has a solid solid grasp of, of what it is you do. Kevin said, how do you make money? But uh, that plus even more than that, like what it is that, that you do, um, it might sound silly that somebody might not know that, but uh, it could very well be the case. There's so many tax advantages that are industry specific. As tax advisors, we we like to legally avoid taxes when we can. If that doesn't work, we like to defer taxes where there's opportunity. Um, quick side note on that: deferral of taxes. There's political ramifications that we got to be thinking about. We always say avoid taxes when you can. Defer taxes is, is step two. Uh, if if avoiding taxes is not a or legally, by the way, legally avoiding taxes, legally deferring taxes. Thank you for that disclaimer. Strategically, strategically minimizing taxes. And so, you know, that's always kind of our, our knee-jerk reaction. Well, is there an opportunity to defer it? Well, the political environment, I don't think beyond 2020 that tax rates are going to go down any. I think that you're going to see, if anything, taxes are going to go up beyond past 2020. And so where our knee-jerk reaction might be to, hey, defer taxes – it, it might be that you want to go ahead and recognize some of that income and pay tax on that income in 2020 instead of kicking the can further down the road. Um, but all of that, to, all of that to say, you know, what kind of, what kind of industry are you in? Are there opportunities for tax credits? Are there opportunities for tax deferrals in the manufacturing and transportation world? For instance, there's a federal credit for certain types of fuel costs that often gets overlooked. Uh, what does your workforce look like? Are you hiring employees right now that might qualify for the work opportunity tax credit? That's another way to to uh, reduce substantially your, your tax liability. Do you have inventory? Have you considered LIFO? And so all of those questions, I think, f- help formulate a, a tax strategy, and that just needs to be constant communication with you and your tax advisor. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Head on over to warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. So to Reed's point, like every tax strategy is different. 
So sometimes it's actually the opposite of what we're doing with taxes is minimizing current taxes. Maybe it actually helps to have the foresight, like you said, that tax rates are going to go up or likely to go up after 2020. Maybe we, you know, bring that tax payment in the in the now, and so you don't have to pay a little bit later at higher rates. So it's counterintuitive, but it, you know that's the type of advice you need, and you, you need to keep your tax advisor in the loop for those very specific reasons, because not one size fits all. So are there some specific things that, you know, happen during a year that maybe prompt me as a business owner to reach out to my tax advisor, things that the, the tax advisor needs to know as part of formulating that strategy? I think a couple of quick ones, like if you have major changes in the businesses, like you're going to a new location, you're starting a new service line, you're exponentially hiring more folks than you've had over the last couple of years, those are big triggers. Uh, you know, if you had a liquidation event or you have a big CapEx event on the other side where you're having, uh, where you're expecting a large sum of money for selling something or you're going to spend something on a substantial piece of facility or an equipment or whatever. And then, you know, you always want to discuss what it is that is specific to your industry. Are you expecting the industry to continue operating like it has in the past or are you expecting a low downturn? So having that analysis from the management team's eyes gives us an idea of what we need to do from a tax advising standpoint. And kind of those are the big trigger points. Are you going to have substantial changes, whether that's with your people, your talent, you know, your deployment of uh, cash, or if you're expanding, what states you're going to, and things of that nature. So you need to be very proactive and precise when you're, when you're getting into something. It's like, how is this going to affect me later and not just jumping into it because it seems like a good idea? I would say taxes is probably the afterthought sometimes. Yeah, proactive is a is a big word there. It, so many times we get in situations where we're getting information after the fact, and then there's no time to, to, to do anything about it. Oh, you did X. Ah, the window just expired for that. Like, I wish you had told me six months ago, and we could have, we could have done something about that. And a lot of times we think, okay, as long as we get everything in, you know, year in, we're fine. But there's, there's deadlines all throughout the year that – um, if we can be abreast of any kind of change, big or small, uh, the better we can help plan. Kevin, you talked a little bit about you know, plans to expand, go internationally. Are there other uh, conversations you need to have from a federal versus state perspective with your advisor? Or do you, do you look at situations differently as it relates to the federal versus the state? I think you definitely look at it differently, but let's say if we're talking right now and current tax law, I think the state planning has become exponentially more imp- important right now because of you know there's a Wayfair decision where it subjects a lot of the taxpayers to states that they weren't normally you know subject to nexus requirements, and that's changed. And I think having a tax advisor look at do a nexus study or things of that sort and kind of help you mitigate the state tax risks under this new climate is going to go a long way. And that was one of the specific things under the state planning. Which we'll do a little reference that we are going to have another episode um, this season in our podcast specific to state and local taxes because that has been such a um, significant change in the law and has um, impacted so many businesses. So that's a good reference point. Yeah, and it, it goes back to just making sure everybody's on the same page about about what it is that you do. What states are you in? Do you have an online platform? Are you soliciting sales all over the world? Um, it, it, you know, going back to the states, 
what states are you required to file a tax return in? And are there any opportunities in those states? Now I know I got to file a return here. Or is there any opportunity to reduce, defer, minimize the tax liability again, legally, strategically? Um, is there any are there any ways to do that? Alabama, there's a there's a tax credit available if you have a small growing business. A lot of people aren't familiar with that. In Georgia, there's a a film tax credit that can help offset. Uh, some tax. Other states, if you have inventory in other states, there's inventory tax credits. So just, again, making sure that everybody's on the same page about what states you're in and, and then opportunities from there to to, to try and, and come up with a good strategy to minimize those taxes. So I know that um, we, we did an episode in season one specific to tax reform, the new tax law, um, and I know there were some changes as it relates to business expenses and which ones are deductible. Um, now there are some that used to be deductible that are no longer deductible. But as a business owner kind of preparing for the next tax return, what do they need to know specifically about business expenses? Uh, from a business standpoint, what's different is the meals and entertainment deduction has changed. Before, it's just all lumped together, and taxpayer could take 50% of that as a deduction, and the other 50% was non-deductible. Now, meals are separate, entertainment are separate. So from a record-keeping standpoint, uh, at, at with our business owners and our taxpayers, they need to be cognizant of that, that they can't be lumped. So there's a little bit of change in how they keep records, and where entertainment's not deductible anymore. So if you're taking a prospect or a client or a vendor to uh, Alabama football game, well, that part is not deductible anymore. Meals still are deductible 50%, and, you know, employee meals that you are providing at the convenience uh, for the benefit of the business, those are still 100% deductible. Another one that gets missed is folks that provide parking to their employees. That's not deductible anymore, so that needs to be tracked and, uh, you know, needs to be provided in getting ready to prepare your tax returns for the upcoming year. Yeah, the the meals and entertainment is probably the the one item of tax tax reform that I've I've gotten the most questions on. Like Kevin said, the old rule was you lump everything together, you take 50% of it, and you move on with your life. Now there's a a lot more that's required. I think, um, give a little plug here for uh, Topgolf. Topgolf is there's an there's a golf element to that and there's a food element of of that it's a it's a place that we've gone as a company and and lots of companies go to uh treat their employees whatever when you go there you got to make sure you get two receipts get the meals on on one get the entertainment on the other because Interesting. one of them's going to be deductible and one of them's not um we have a lot of business owners that have airplanes airplanes are can be an entertainment facility so the travel costs associated with a trip to, say, the Masters or to a, a football game can be, non, can be non-deductible in addition to the destination. As Kevin said, like a football game, uh, now you know, that's non-deductible. It's entertainment. Well, the trip there can also be non-deductible as well under these new laws. So there's a lot more criteria you have to think about as you're trying to plan how we're going to spend our money from an expense perspective and – where is that gonna gonna go? Yeah, and and it goes back to again, you, constant communication throughout the year is going to prevent a surprise. Well, you you thought that that entertainment was deductible like it was last year. Well, sorry, it's not anymore. Unfortunately, wish it was, but it's not. And so, constant communication can help prevent that. 
from being an issue. Besides some regulations, a lot of this haven't been tested by the IRS. So if, if you as a business owner and a management team have questions, just you know, reach out to your tax advisor and see if they can find the answer themselves or in the community to see what other folks are doing. So just you know, that's a great resource. So you don't have to just kind of figure it out all on your own. Because some of them, like Reed was saying, you know, the travel to an entertainment spot, whether that's deductible or not, because is it strictly entertainment or is it not? So maybe just having, you know, reaching out, being in constant communication. And if you have a question, just ask. And there's no stupid questions either. This is the biggest change since 1986 to the, to the tax code. And so never hesitate to reach out. Because this is this is a lot of stuff that's new and a lot of stuff that's different. Y'all talked a little bit about documentation. Uh, when y'all are dealing with business owners and executives, you know, what's the biggest pitfall you see from a documentation perspective? That you know, it's like, hey, as you're preparing, make sure you're shoring up X, Y, and Z. What's what? What are some of those bigger ones that y'all see often? Basic financials can can really go a long way. Uh, we have questions about: Do I need to bring in? You see it on the, on the individual side a little bit more, but it can apply to businesses too. Do I need to bring in, you know, all my receipts for everything? No, you don't need to do that. We can, a lot of planning and a lot of advising can, can come just from some, a basic set of financials. Um, it, it doesn't have to be overly detailed to at least get a, get a good start on, on uh, formulating a tax strategy. I don't need my shoebox. Well, you, you know, you can always try it but (laughs) another question that comes up is how long should you keep the shoe box Mm -hmm. and uh, I got that question last week actually and a tax return can be audited basically three years back Uh, and and so we recommend that three years worth of information be retained Uh, as far as how long to retain a tax return there's really there's really no great rule of thumb on that uh, other than uh, my recommendation is to keep it indefinitely um but as far as the records that go into that three years is a good rule of thumb on that i think the other thing i wanted to point out is for our small growing businesses where the owners are heavily involved they don't have the full accounting department yet keeping the personal separate from the business having confidence in the financials we are getting and if i see a ten thousand dollar conference expense to hawaii you know then it makes me question what else is in the general ledger so just it's simple but it happens more often than not you know you're getting cash from one place and you're doing different ventures or you're going to go buy a boat or something so you're just moving cash around if you are doing that have the trace and go through it so keeping your business from your personal separate i think is a big key as well that's the one that comes up more often than everybody thinks but i think it comes up especially with credit cards now with having large limits you know People use their personal credit cards to buy something on for their business, and then there's no transfer of electronic rac- records bet- back and forth between the business and the individual. So th- that's kind of another point I want to highlight. So here on the wrap, we like to wrap up in you know 60 seconds, you know, a couple sentences, paragraph, whatever it is. You know, what is the one thing you want our listeners to take away from this uh, as they're preparing for you know creating that tax strategy or preparing for that tax return? Uh, for me, just continue to communicate and if you've got an issue go ahead and bring it up with your tax advisor because you know collectively if we brainstorm generally speaking you're going to come to a better solution for the business and from a tax standpoint so just constant communication i'd say something similar make sure you have a good relationship with your tax advisor 
pardon the cheesy accounting pun here, but a, a good tax advisor should be an asset on the balance sheet. Good, good return, creating value for you, not just an expense on the income statement. Uh, and that's, I think that's been a theme of, of some of the answers that we've given is, is make sure you're in constant communication and have a good relationship. I see Reed went to the same comedy school that you did, Paul. Thanks. I appreciate that. Kim. Yeah. Hey, Reed and Kevin, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to our podcast series, or make a suggestion for other topics to cover, visit us at warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap.